everyone. I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Me too. Oh my God. Um, Bettys, we have to welcome Alex Dickinson to the Woo! Beaver Den. Woo! Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to see you. So excited to be here. So excited to see you. It's been months. Yeah, it's been a minute. Literally, I think the last time I saw you was Thanksgiving. No. Yes. Yes. That sounds right. That's terrible. Oh my God. Well, it was a delicious Thanksgiving. You hosted a wonderful dinner. Uh, come back every year. I'm going to I plan. <laughs> that is like a standing invitation that I take very seriously. Yes. It's yes. like, I don't even know if you're just being polite, but no, I'm, I'm taking not. it. I'm, I'm taking not. it word for word. Oh my God. Um, I feel like I need to provide context of like who you are and why you're here, but also you're so fabulous that I'm like, you mm. should just be here. Cool. Thanks. So there's that. But so you and I met before I had even moved to New York, which is so fun Crazy. to think about. Yeah. I literally met you like, I think, a, oh my God, like a year before I moved here, six months before I moved here, because we were like talking about dream girl stuff and we did a few Skype yes. sessions. Yes. And then when I moved here. I only met you over Skype, but I felt like we were best friends already. A thousand percent. Yeah. And I remember our first Skype, I was like, who am I talking to? Like, what is this <laughs> like, person? Like, who is this person? Yeah. yeah. And you were like, and yeah, we like talked for the full hour. And then some. And then when I moved to New York and we were at the Dream Girl premiere, you I like, met you in person for the first time at the Dream Girl premiere. And I was like, wow, she's really tall. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. You came up to me and you're like, hi, I'm Alex Dickinson. And I was like, oh my God, what? What is happening? This is a real person. It was the best. It was amazing. Yeah. And then from there, you like moved me to New York. You like told me mm. what trains to take which direction to take me them in, <laughs> where to eat, where to sleep. Well, I was sleeping in my apartment at that point, but yeah. Um, no, you were so like, yeah. And, and then, then I got you for your first American Thanksgiving, which was so exciting. Oh my God. And we had like a feast to end all feasts because you guys are so. I mean, I like to eat. Therefore, I like to cook. They go together. Yeah. Is it your favorite holiday? Would you say? For sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You liked it. Oysters Rockefeller. Rockefeller yeah. oysters. Well, I I don't I'm not a Rockefeller fan. We can make Rockefeller for people who don't eat raw oysters, but those people are wrong. Yeah. Sorry to anyone who disagrees. Um, so I like raw oysters because raw oysters are the best, the only approved Thanksgiving appetizer. No mm. other appetizers are allowed on Thanksgiving because you don't want to take up, you know, your Thanksgiving room with like two pounds of cheese before dinner comes out. This is true. That I worked for two days to make. So just saying. Oh my God. And then fast forward. So I didn't see you for my second Thanksgiving. And then I saw you for the third Thanksgiving and you had like five different kinds of pie and you had like all, all of the everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, three pies. I could go into them, but I mean, your listeners might not care. So I care. <laughs> and that's all that matters is that three I pies. care. We have three pies every year. Even some years when we had four people for Thanksgiving, we still had three pies. No way. Yes. It's a whole thing. Well, and for anyone, I mean, we'll get into this, but like for anyone who needs like some inspiration around cooking, like you and your husband's Instagram feeds are the best for <laughs> like New York Times recipes. <laughs> you guys get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's been doing this thing. 
my husband's name is Guy, which is sometimes confusing for people. So Guy's been started one Sunday. Like he decided I was, I'm going to have a cooking project today. I'm going to Instagram story it. And then he got all this positive feedback from people. And now every Sunday he's like, what am I going to make? Like, it's for the gram. Like, he's like, it's not for me. It's for the gram. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I win anyway. So fine. Yeah. Either way, this is totally, I'm totally on board with it. No, I feel like guy for any, I mean, none of you know, none of you know Alex's husband, but there is never, there is no other human being on the planet who would be less of like an influencer. And I feel like his cooking stories are so good and so engaging and the way that he shoots them i'm like guy you better be careful because i feel like people at are guy dickinson. You. at guy dickinson um a thousand percent i feel yeah. like i feel like he's going to have people knocking at his door to like hire him to do this and yeah. he's gonna be like oh no that's not what i want <laughs> he has a good droll sense of humor that comes through his captions i feel oh t- I, his voice is just like i you read can just it hear in him. his voice yeah it's like so funny I love it. Um, so I don't even know where we transition from there, from Thanksgiving food to what we're here to talk about today. We'll just do it. We're here to talk about Killing Eve. Oh, my God. And so excited. This show is, I feel like it's like a Pandora's box that I'm like waiting to open because I feel so many things about this show. I want to start out by kind of asking you, you know, what did you watch as a kid? Like, what were you really inspired by? You were the one that turned me on to Killing Eve, which is why I'm so excited to talk about it with you. Yes. Um, but what shows did you really love, like, growing up? Um, that's a hard question. Can I even remember back that far? I mean, honestly, I liked... Um, like what age are we talking about? Like, like little, like, yeah, I'm talking like, what do you remember making a point of sitting in front of the TV and watching and maybe like, Oh my God, home improvement because I liked JTT who turned out later to be gay. Woe is me. I know, (laughs) but I did love home improvement and sometime in the last year, like reruns were on and Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but somehow like, I was like, Oh my gosh, guy, nostalgia. Like let's watch an episode. Of home improvement, and it is just oh, it's actually the worst. Yeah, to look at it now, it's just like the gender roles and like every. I mean, it's very formulaic, obviously, but you yeah. know, '90s sitcom. But also just like every episode, like Tim Allen does something wrong, and yeah. his wife is disapproving, and then he makes it up to her, and she forgives him, and she, you know, that she forgives him because it's implied that they're going to have sex, and like that's mm. how you forgive. And it's anyway, so it's actually really horrible. But I loved it as a kid. Oh my God, now I'm like going back into the catalog of my brain and oh, thinking I know. about how much I used to love this show and that maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, I know. Don't I think remember about it. loving Jill. Like I remember yeah. loving the mom. Yeah. Does that hold up? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that breaks my heart. I know. Yeah, home improvement was a big one for me too. And now that you're mentioning it, I would not have said that off the top. But now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, oh, wow, I do have a lot of feels tied up in this show. Yeah. Um, was there anything else aside from Jonathan Taylor Thomas that you made a point of watching? Um, let's see. Oh, God, I'm sure there was, but yeah. I can't think of anything. Yeah. I was not like the biggest TV kid. Yeah. Which is funny because I went on to get two degrees in media studies. <laughs> um but I mean, I'm sure there were, but I, there, I didn't, I, I don't like hold on to those things. I yeah. don't know. So I'm more, more might come to me, but that's kind of all I can think of. Right well, you now. can just like name it in the middle of the episode. I know. I'll be like, guess what? I just be like, remember. wait, I remember when I was 12 years old, I was really into, <laughs> um, makes sense. I feel like, so 
you have a little one. You have, How old is Pippa now? She's almost eight months. Oh, my gosh. I know. I feel like she's going to college next week. I know. Um, You have an eight-month-old. You were working full-time. Like, you are a woman on the go. Do you have time to watch anything now? Or is there anything <laughs> you're really into? So... I really don't want the baby to look at screens, yeah. which is a whole, I'm sure is like a topic we could unpack another time, Yeah, but um, I don't want her to look at screens. Therefore, it's really curtailed my screen time. Mm. And um, I like try to leave my phone in a different room mm-hmm. from her. And so that's just been an interesting thing to navigate. But it also means that I don't turn on the TV when she's awake. Right. And she's awake longer and longer these days, which is great. She's a delight. And so I can only watch TV after she goes to bed, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so I have less time. And then, like, I have such a short window between when she goes to bed and when I have to go to bed. And right. it's like, do I want to talk to my husband or watch TV? <laughs> but if Guy's doing his cooking they, stuff, I know. then it's like you have no choice. But I know. To, yeah. So I have two episodes left in the second season of Mrs. Maisel right now. Oh, my God. Which girl. is very exciting. Have you seen it all? The, I watched it all. Don't ruin it for me. Okay. Two episodes to go. Um, so I'm really into Mrs. Maisel, like mm-hmm. the rest of the world. And on deck, which I will watch at some point, is my brilliant friend on HBO from it's the TV adaptation of the Elena Ferrante books. Oh my God. Yeah. I have heard good things. I haven't seen it yet. So I have not heard anything um, about this. So I need to get information about oh that. Oh my gosh. The other thing I watched over the summer that I was really obsessed with was the Patrick Melrose. Oh yeah. Oh my God. We talked I about also this, right? watched that at your recommendation. <gasps> what? If, oh, real quick. What did you think? It was so intense. So intense. And I feel like, it didn't really land with critics. Like, I feel like it just got totally overlooked, but Benedict Cumberbatch in that show is so incredible. I mean, let's, I'll just watch literally anything that he's in, obviously. But I mean, I read the books first and then watched the TV. I mean, it was, oh my God, we could have a whole separate episode about that, but loved it. It's very cool. It's a very interesting insight into like, uh, like aristocracy and like, addiction and mm-hmm. abuse and oh yeah. there's so much going on there yeah um that's for another time but if benedict cumberpatch wants to come on and talk about it he's welcome in the paper <laughs> done um mrs mazel is actually a great segue into killing eve because i feel like the two are doing similar things in the sense of like part of the reason why i love 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 killing eve and we're gonna like unpack this to the hilt but it's because it stays with its female leads yeah. And I think Mrs. Maisel is so brilliant because it's it's about her and all of the subplots are feeding into her life. There's nothing that's happening where she's not involved or impacted in some way. Yeah. And Killing Eve was that way for me, too. I kind of kept waiting for it to misstep or go off the rails or like not be as awesome as it is. I mean, the first season is so tight. It's only eight episodes. It's so tight. There's just, yeah. There's not like a, there's not like a spare thing that's happening. That's not related. Yeah. They don't waste a single frame of the show. And I think that that speaks to like how I feel like that speaks to how the Brits make TV (laughs) as opposed to Americans. Um, I think that they knew exactly what they had with this and they knew exactly what they wanted to say with it. And they did it. Um, so before we get into it, you know, if you haven't watched Killing Eve, it's a show starring Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. Comer and Fiona Shaw. Um, and it's about it's about like an assassin who is killing people left, right, and center. And Sandra O oh plays a detective who gets put onto the case. She kind of seeks out the case. 
A little she bit. She is actually researching it on the side. She's like a paper pusher yeah. at MI5, which is like the British version mm-hmm. of, I think, the CIA or the FBI. I can never remember. The guy would, my husband's British, so he would be scolding has, me right now. He has notes for this He show. knows the difference. But <laughs> she's an MI5 agent who is just like a paper pusher, like works behind a desk. And she's like secretly obsessed with this female serial killer. It's not even like her assignment. And then it becomes her assignment at the end of the first episode. Yeah. And Fiona Shaw brings her onto it. Who, oh my God, I love Fiona Shaw on so many levels. Um, but it's really like a, it's really an insight into like these two women specifically. And their storylines kind of go back and forth. So off the top, like, where do you want to start? Where do where should we unpack? I feel like I feel like I would love to, like, know your favorite moments from the show. Well, I mean, so we do. Do we do spoilers here? We do do spoilers. Here. OK, mm-hmm. so spoiler alerts ahead. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think my the just the, the well, actually, for I must say that fun fact about the season finale yeah. of Killing Eve is when I went into labor. What? Yes. Oh my God. Were you watching it when you went into labor? <laughs> yes. What? I, I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, I think these are contractions. <laughs> and we started timing them. And yeah, because I, I watched it live. Yeah. Like as it came out every week, oh. I, like old school, I had to wait. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I started having contractions at the season finale. And the last moment of the last episode is like when Sandra O oh says, where? It's like, I don't even know where she got that sound out of her body from. It's like, that she can I just say it? She like stabs yeah. the serial killer, and then the serial killer man's manages to like run away, and she like loses track of her in that one second. And it's like the neighbor comes out, and the neighbor's like she left, and Sandra O's like where? But the way she says it is so. It was it was the craziest, and it. it Ooh, I just oh. got chills thinking about it. Oh my god, <laughs> such a good pull. I was just telling Pip this morning, my daughter, that I was as she can understand me, obviously at eight months that I was coming here to talk about killing Eve and that I almost wanted to bring her because I feel like she probably has a lot of feelings about it since it's what made her want to come out into this world was I mean, she probably wanted to come out and catch Villanelle too. Yeah. She was led into this world by Sandra O's voice with like <laughs> blessings. May we all be led in by Sandra O. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. Wow. So yeah, you have all of the things tied up in this show. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. What are like is some of your first hits on it? Like, what did you really love about it? What's what's something about Killing Eve that like you really enjoyed? Oh my god, just the the watching Villanelle kill people <laughs> is really amazing because she is she's just like so mercurial. She's so merciless. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she. She gives no fucks. Like mm-hmm. the first guy that she kills, she pulls that hairpin out. I mean, they zoom in on the hairpin. The way they do the shot is so cool. And yeah. then you're like, why? Why? At first you're like, why am I looking at this hairpin so closely? And then when you see her later reach back to pull it out and stab the guy in the eye, it's like, oh my God. It just, it's not gory, but it is, it's so specific the way yeah. it's shot and the yeah. way it's like, she, it's just so unusual to see a woman killer that's not like hiding behind a gun, you mm-hmm. know, that's probably not, that's, I don't know, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but do you know what I mean? Totally. The, the way she kills people in the show is just so um, unusual. Yeah. And she's, she's so, she takes so much joy in it, which is obviously like part of what makes her character so complex and interesting and mm-hmm. creepy. Um, so watching her kill people is like really interesting. I completely agree. And I actually think that she is one of, I think I love her so much because she would not exist on American TV or film. 
She's like not highly sexualized. She's not like this mega babe who you said is like wielding a gun and like kicking, like high kicking everyone on all, like killing all the bad guys. She's just very like stealth. And yeah, you don't even know actually really much at all about the people that she mm-hmm. kills and if they are bad guys or not. It's not about like good guys and bad guys, which is very much American TV. Yeah. It's cat and mouse, which is, I mean, detective stories back to the beginning of detective stories. Yes. Which is so cool. Yeah. The Brits do cat and mouse so well. I love it. Um, one of the things that I really love about, um, Sandra Oh talking about killing Eve is that like her agent sent her the script and she like read through it and she's like, oh my God, this is the smartest thing I've read in years. And this is so amazing. And anybody who gets to be a part of it is so lucky. And she said like, I think I could play like a doctor or this nurse on page 36 or like I could do a character in this episode. And her agent was like, no, like you're going to play Eve. (laughs) And she was like what she's like people you know like it's it's such a testament to like diversity like she's saying like that would never be offered to me on like an american show and she said like i you know she's like as an asian as an asian actress like she's like i was assuming i was playing like a secondary or tertiary role yeah and she's like to be offered the lead was like revolutionary (laughs) and i think like the there's nobody who's on sandro's level right now she is an incredible actress. She's so good in this show. Her playing off of Villanelle is amazing. And I'm a little out of touch, but she just got nominated for or won or something. She won the Golden Globe. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. And did you watch her on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. I mean, I watched like the early seasons of Grey's when I was in college and then it, it is it still on? Mm-hmm. It's Oh my God. That's like such a long running show. I couldn't keep up after a while, but I mean, I loved her on Grey's and that's what I knew her from. So yeah, that's what I knew her from too. Yeah. She's it's Canadian. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say it. Whoopee. Whoopee. Um, um, so yeah, she's, it's just such a strong cast, but the scripting is amazing. Um, what did you kind of think about like this, the way that it examines like sexuality? Cause I think this was one of the most interesting things about this show is it's not sexy. It's like, yeah. Showing these women kind of in their fullness and complexity. Yeah. And I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts and and hits about that because they get into it more kind of toward the end. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because almost from the very beginning, you're like, well, are they going to sleep together? Are they going to team up? Are they going to kill each other? Or like what it like could be anything at any moment. And um, I really appreciate it, actually. Like, I think it could have gotten really cheap Mm -hmm. and like gotten them into bed together in like the second episode. And I really appreciated that that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh my God, the be- again, I'm just coming back to the season finale because it was so freaking good. At the end, when when Eve says, I've never done anything like this before, what Eve is talking about is, I've never killed anyone before. Yes. But what Villanelle thinks is, I've never slept with a woman before. And so Villanelle is like, oh, don't worry. like I'm a pro. I can show you. And then Sandra oh, freaking stabs her in the stomach. It's so good. Oh, oh my, my God. God. So I just, uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean, what the tension is more like the, the mutual obsession. And it's a pretty, like there's this scene in one of the earlier episodes. I don't remember exactly, but where Sandra O is describing what Villanelle looks like to the person who's like doing the police sketch. Mm -hmm. And she's describing her in this really like full way. And she has like, and her eyes are like, they know everything, but they're really vacant or something. I can't paraphrase it very well, obviously, but you know, and, and the guy is like, so is that like a round jaw or a square one? <laughs> you know, and it's like so, such a great like capsule moment of like what the show is doing too on a bigger level of like it is about the fullness 
of, I mean, the way Eve starts out, she has, you know, this domestic life and a husband to keep happy. And like, you know what, just like the rest of us, like going along doing her thing. And then she becomes this, this like detective with a, a mission and just a much more fullness of scope. So, and I think the, you see less and less of the husband too, as the show goes on, which I also think is like kind of interesting, you know, cause her obsession has changed. So good. I would actually love to talk about the husband. That's because I think it's always presented as like the female protagonist must choose between like the career or the personal life. And it's always like an either or scenario. And I think that in the scene with her husband, when he's just like, cause he's such an appeaser and he's such a like, make it work, make it work, make it work kind of person. And I love when she's talking with him and she's just like, I'm over it. Like, I'm busy with work. This is my passion. I'm kind of tired of, like, maintaining our relationship. It's either working or it's not. And I love that, like, when they go to Russia, especially, he kind of, like, fades into the background. Yeah. And it doesn't come back in the finale as, like, this redemptive narrative where it's, like, she makes up with him. It's allowed to just exist as, like, this unresolved piece of her life. Yeah, you just, like, don't hear about him after a while. Yeah. She's busy. That's it. Yeah, And she's like chasing down the serial killer all over Europe. And it's like, I love that they gave space to just kind of have that be its own thing. Cause that's real life. Like things don't always resolve and circle back. And like, you don't get to like have this, you don't always get to have this like really highly demanding job that like, Oh, and then you get to resolve with your husband and everything's all good there too. Like It just felt, I love that that was not the payoff. The payoff is like with her going to Villanelle's apartment and then finally having this like head to head. Yeah. The other thing that I think is so, excuse me, so interesting is about her boss, Fiona Shaw, Mm -hmm. who, right. It's like very like, oh, she's actually like a double crosser. Everyone towards the end, you're like, wait, who's on whose side? What's going on? Everyone is kind of double crossing everybody. Yeah. And Constantine is a really interesting, complicated character and his and, and Fiona Shaw's relationship sorry I'm mixing up like the actors names and the oh good yeah I do that all the time (laughs) Um, because I don't know both of everybody um but like right they clearly have had an affair in the past maybe Mm -hmm. they're restarting it and so again that idea of like good and evil good and bad that's so like American dichotomy yeah um that we love to fall back on is really subverted and really complicated and like well I think we we think Fiona Shaw is a bad guy towards the end right yeah we get the hit that she's not great yeah um and she's like colluding with the Russians and has this whole thing around uh, protecting her interests alongside like pretending to move the case forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also an interesting piece of it is that Sandra Oh kind of has to pull a Hail Mary and like move the case forward and like get her son, get Fiona Shaw's son to work with her against his own mom, the hacker, which is kind of cool. I love the hacker. He was so great. He looked like a Jonas brother and this is so fun. (laughs) Um, so one of the reasons, like, I wanted to watch this show the minute I heard about it, but one of the reasons why I was, like, completely on board and, like, sought it out when it came on Hulu was because you talked about the interesting things it was doing to show how invisible and underestimated women are in our society. Oh, my God. Yes. Let's talk about this. Get into it, girl. The thing that makes Villanelle so good at what she does, she's able to kill like really high profile people like that woman with the perfume that she kills. I mean, it's like she pretends to be a babysitter one time. She pretends to be a nurse one time. She pretends to be a waitress one time. These are like caretaking roles that women do that are absolutely invisible to everybody. That's like, oh, just a nurse, like just another waitress, just another whatever. And it's like, 
of course she could blend in perfectly because nobody would pay one second of attention to her, you know? Yeah. And she's young. She's pretty. Like it's just, she absolutely disappears and you know, she can change her appearance and she can change her accent really well. Side note, did you know, have you listened to her speak with her normal accent? I have not. Oh my God, you must, because it's amazing. <laughs> is it like completely, is she British? Is she's she British. American? Yeah, she's okay. British. And I can't, again, guy, guy should be here because he would know the type, but it's it's not a Cockney, but it's something, forgive me, Brits that are listening. Um, but anyway, it's just very different from like the Russian accent that she has in the show. And wow. it's hilarious. But that is just so... Um, just so exciting to see and and frustrating, obviously, at the same time. Yeah. Well, from the very first episode, they're having like this meeting where this big Russian muckety-muck has been murdered, assassinated. And Sandra Oh kind of says under her breath, it was a woman. And everyone's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, like literally they can't even believe that a woman might have killed him. They can't believe that like women are capable of like extremely violent acts. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Turns out. Um, but no, I love like, and I mean, those are like two extremes of like women being underestimated both as like people, but also as assassins. Right. Um, but it's so, you're so right that like she flies under the radar because she's this beautiful woman, beautiful young woman who's like in these roles that people inherently trust. Yeah. Or that people don't even really think about. Yeah. And yeah, I loved that aspect of the show and I love that Eve remember seeing her in the bathroom and that's kind of like what tips the whole thing off and yeah it's it takes another woman to recognize another woman yeah and that's so smart yeah. i loved it yeah loved it um one of my uh, so we've talked a lot about the finale with uh them kind of having this confrontation in villanelle's apartment which by the way can i have that apartment oh i know my god well what is so interesting i think about and i've I'm totally cribbing this from a review that I read. So this, I wasn't smart enough to think of this on my own, but in reflecting on it, I really thought that it sounded you know, very true. So I'm going to say it anyway. Um, When Sandra O goes to Villanelle's apartment at the end and she throws this fit and she like busts up the place and like, but you know what she sees is like, everything is so beautiful. So glamorous. She opens the fridge. There's nothing but champagne in there. It's like, Oh my God look at this fabulous life that this woman has that like maybe in theory I could have had, except I'm like a boring paper pusher at MI5. You know, I took the like, the like safe route. And this is obviously Villanelle's life is a very unsafe route, but like, look what she gets for it. Like high risk, high reward. Yes, (laughs) I agree. Oh my God. When she opens the the fridge and it's full of champagne, I was like, this is so fabulous. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's like, I, I think that's one of like, the best episodes of TV from like last year is like when they finally go to her bedroom, Villanelle comes in, the whole place is trashed. Sandra is like sitting on the bench. She's like, I'm so tired. Yeah. She says, God, I'm tired. And that's the name of the first episode too. Yes. When I put that together, I was like, Oh, this is, this is so great. It's Everything's coming together. So satisfying. Yeah. And she's like, are you tired? And Villanelle's like, I'm a little tired. And it's like, I love like breaking the fourth wall to kind of be like, yeah, you guys must be fucking tired. Like this is the chase you guys have been on for so many months. Like it's insane. Um, oh, I love it. Are there any other thoughts, anything else that we haven't touched on? Well, Villanelle's character, just there's so much going on. I love when she kidnaps Constantine's daughter who then you just see this totally different side of her. That's like kind of like the, not grown up bratty babysitter. Yeah. Where she like, they get like 
French fries and she, she's not glamorous anymore. She's just like, and the, you know, the daughter who's younger, obviously sees her. I can't remember her name. Sorry. But like when you see Villanelle with a kid, all of the kid like aspects of her come out Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, she's not really fully grown up. Obviously there, she has a lot going on. There's a lot of things wrong with her, Yeah, but you see kind of her brattiness and petulance come out. And I think that that's really interesting too, like what what it takes to be a serial killer. I don't I don't know it from personal experience, obviously, but um, I thought that that reflection to kind of see see her reflected back in the kid was really interesting. Agreed, and I think even seeing her like when she goes back to Russia, which is the, where she's from in a country she's been avoiding um, because of trauma and just like her past of murdering her teacher's husband mm-hmm. and then castrating him. Yeah. Going to a Russian prison. Um, yeah, she's been through a lot in Russia. Oh, and then when you see her, when she's in the hole, right, in the, like, mm-hmm. solitary confinement or whatever, and she she's asking to get put there because Constantin says he's going to get her out, and then she realizes, oh, my God, no one's coming for me. Yeah. <gasps> that yeah. was that was a great moment, too. I know. Nobody, nobody knows whose team anybody is on. Yeah. Um, and I think I liked the backstory of getting into kind of how she became this like murderous serial killer, how she got like the taste for killing and like the whole thing. Um, but I also loved that it kind of let that be its its thing. And it kind of wrapped it up when she murders Anna. And I think that there's going to be a second season. Yeah. And I love that we didn't get into like this huge backstory and subplot on Oxana. I think it's going to be a slow burn. I think it's going to be a slow burn too. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of Eve and Villanelle's whole relationship. Totally. Is a slow burn. Yeah. And it's like these big moments mixed with like a lot of like in between moments. You're not really sure what to take seriously. You're not really sure. Like, yeah, I think especially at the beginning when they're trying to figure out the case, like there's so much like, bop, 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 bop. We got to get this woman. She just keeps killing people. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Like there were these kind of big moments, but you really just have to stay with it. And, like, kind of be with the pace of it. Yeah. What are you hoping season two brings? I'm always nervous for a second season of a show I really love. I know. What was that other one that we both that we both watched? It was, like, about that really rich family. Oh, Succession. Oh, Succession. Oh, my God. It's another topic. I saw Kieran Culkin at a comedy show. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Over the Christmas break. And I was, like, it was so funny because Umer said to me, he's, like, oh, my God. I think that's Kieran Culkin. And I was like, no way. And I like looked at him. It totally was. And he was sitting with a bunch of friends and we were kind of speculating like he must be playing a comedian or something in an upcoming show. Like maybe uh, doing like some research around yeah. stand-up comedy. Um, but he was there with like friends. And then and then one of the stand-up comics made a joke about Macaulay Culkin. Oh. And it landed. It like, it was fine. It was not character assassination, <laughs> but it was like, oh, everyone's head but just he like. But he must be used to that. So used to it. And everyone's head just like whipped around and looked at him and everyone was like. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then I saw him like a week. Well, I saw him on TV a week later at the Golden Globes. And I was like, I didn't know you were nominated for Succession. Succession was so good. The best. And I almost, we talked about this, how I almost wish Succession just like ended after one season because it wrapped so perfectly. Like don't, don't drag it out. Don't drag it out. But I do not feel that way about Killing Eve because, well, obviously it ended on such a cliffhanger, but Mm -hmm. also I just feel like there's just so much more to unpack. I mean, 
it was only eight episodes. There's just, there's so much more. Yeah. I think that there's a lot we can do with it. And I think now it's going to be, I love that the chase is just going to continue. I think, I think that's what they're doing with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, but, but obviously there's a lot of unresolved stuff because we don't know what happens with Fiona Shaw and like her being traitorous or what, or whatever she is. We don't know. We don't know what happens to Constantine because he escapes. Oh yeah. He didn't die. No, he didn't die. The, he was, and interestingly, he was the only person that she was not able to kill. Well, yes. aside from Eve, I guess. Also, how about like the title of the show, Killing Eve, right? Is like, you wonder the whole season, like, okay, so is she going to get her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? um, and when they finally come close enough, when they're in the woods in that mm-hmm. confrontation scene, like they to- one could have totally killed the other, but they didn't because they're so obsessed with each other. I just I think there's so much more to come. I agree. I completely agree. I hope to see more... I'd love to know like a little bit more of Sandra's Sandra O's backstory, like Eve's backstory. Mm-hmm. Not much, just like a little bit more into her, a little bit more into Fiona Shaw. I think mostly Villanelle. I think Villanelle just like keep doing what you're doing, girl. Yeah. It's working. It's so good. Um, I don't know when the second season's supposed to premiere. I feel like they're in production for it, probably. Probably um, later this year, I would assume. When I googled Killing Eve, it auto-completed season two. So that makes me think it might be happening soon. It's coming. <laughs> but that's all the info I have to go on. So oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, anything else? Any final thoughts? Uh, shout outs you want to make? Any of the things? Um, shout out to Erin, who's yeah. home with her little lady. Erin. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I visited them, and it was incredible. Their mm. apartment was so, like... It's just like this little haven. Oh, it's a little bubble. Yeah. I love it. Um, cool. April seventh is se- season. What? Oh, so soon. That's so soon. Oh, okay. Mark your calendars, people. Oh my god. I yeah, but you ha- you must 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 watch all of season one before you do season two. Oh. Do not skip. Oh, there's literally no way you would have any idea what was going on. No, but I also feel like people who do that, like sometimes I get really behind on TV shows, and people are like oh, you can just start at season five because that's when it like gets good. And I'm like, what is the point of that? Like, why would you do five years of something just to, oh, it makes me crazy. Um, amazing. Well, we're going to keep an eye out for April 7th. At 8 p.m. Killing BBC Eve season America, two. Right, yeah, BBC America. I don't have BBC America, so I'm going to have to get my act together for this. I think you can... Um, I don't know. It might be one of those channels like through Amazon Prime. You can like subscribe for a while or something. That's how I watched um, the Benedict Cumberbatch show on Showtime. That's how I watched Patrick Melrose was I subscribed to Showtime through Amazon literally just for the length of the show and then unsubscribed. And I was like, why does this work? But I'm not questioning it. (laughs) Like it was a lot. I mean, it wasn't like I was doing some back channel thing that was just an option that was available to me. I guess that's true, too. Like that's how I saw Patrick Melrose, too. But I saw Killing Eve because Hulu put it all on. But did you have to wait? No. Well, yes, I had oh. to wait. Oh, I can't wait at this point. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to buy it. I it's worth it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, vote with your vote with your wallet, I guess, or something, I don't know. Into it. Happy to support this incredible show. Um, how can we support you? How can we follow you? What what goes on? Oh, um Gosh, you can follow me. I When I'm not talking about TV shows I like, I'm a career and negotiation expert, and I work at SoFi, which is a personal finance company. Yes. And you can follow me on the internet. Um, my All my names are different on different platforms, so it's not that easy to say. But um, on Twitter, I think I am at underscore Alex Dickinson. So follow me on Twitter 
for career negotiation tips. Yes, you're so amazing at it. And I'm so happy that you were here. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This and is so fun. Yay. And we'll see you April 7th because we're yes. obviously going to have to watch it together. Obvi. I love it. Thank you so much to Kent for spending your Wednesdays with us. And if you've watched Killing Eve or you have any thoughts about what we should be watching or Patrick Melrose or Succession or Macaulay Culkin or Kieran Culkin, <laughs> please reach out to beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's it for today, Bettys. Happy Feminist Wednesday. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!